Hey, and welcome back to Grace Talks, a Christian's women's podcast that studies the Bible, the women in it, and apply it to our lives today. Today, we're going to be talking about Abigail, an intelligent woman who was quick to take action and make peace. If you remember from the last episode, we talked about David and his first wife, Michael. Keep all of that background information about King Saul and David in mind for this story because it takes place during the time period when David had escaped from Saul thanks to Michael. At this point in 1 Samuel, David is still on the run from Saul, but he ends up having an opportunity to kill him while Saul took a bathroom break in a cave, but that can stay a story for another time. The point is, David has the opportunity to kill the guy who has been hunting him and making his life so chaotic, but David feels convicted against it and allows Saul to leave the cave without Saul even realizing that David was there. He even cut off a piece of Saul's robe to prove it and basically shouted to him from the cave's entrance that he could have killed him but didn't and would never. Saul hollers back to David that David is more righteous than him and that he knows one day David will be king. He asks that David not wipe out his descendants, and David agrees. So Saul goes home, and David and his men go to a stronghold. This is where we leave off before starting 1 Samuel chapter 25. So let's get into it. 1 Samuel 25 verses 2 through 13 reads like this. A certain man in Maon, who had property there in Carmel, was very wealthy. He had a thousand goats and three thousand sheep, which he was shearing in Carmel. His name was Nabal, and his wife's name was Abigail. She was an intelligent and beautiful woman, but her husband was surly and mean in his dealings. He was a Calebite. While David was in the wilderness, he heard that Nabal was shearing sheep. So he sent ten young men and said to them, Go up to Nabal at Carmel and greet him in my name. Say to him, Long life to you, good health to you and your household, and good health to all that is yours. Now I hear that it is sheep shearing time. When your shepherds were with us, we did not mistreat them. And the whole time there at Carmel, nothing of theirs was missing. Ask your own servants and they will tell you. Therefore, be favorable towards my men, since we come at a festive time. Please give your servants and your son David whatever you can find for them. When David's men arrived, they gave Nabal this message in David's name. Then they waited. Nabal answered David's servants, Who is this David? Who is this son of Jesse? Many servants are breaking away from their masters these days. Why should I take my bread and water and the meat I have slaughtered for my shears and give it to the men coming from who knows where? David's men turned around and went back. When they arrived, they reported every word. David said to his men, each of you strap on your sword. So they did, and David strapped on his as well. About 400 men went up with David, while 200 stayed with the supplies. All right, so... Right off the bat, we can tell Nabal is pretty jerky. I mean, they tell us that he is in verse 2. So if you're wondering, though, why David is as up in arms as he was about being refused hospitality, you have to understand the culture more at that time. First off, hospitality was huge. It did not matter if it was a complete stranger or foreigner or how many people there were with them. You were supposed to do your best to provide food um, and anything else for those people if you could spare it, even if money and supplies were tight. And Nabal was crazy wealthy. He could have easily afforded to feed all of David's men. He was just being stingy and rude. This is all not to mention the fact that the reason Nabal was doing so well was because David's men had been protecting his land and the livestock and servants in it. They were a bunch of soldiers being generous with their protection of the area. So not only is Nabal just stingy, 
he is arrogantly acting like he doesn't know who David is or what he's done for him. And if he was unaware that whole time, he was just thick in the head and must be unaware of everything going on his land. Um, but if he was aware, how stupid was he to provoke a warrior with 600 soldiers? A huge contrast to Nabal is how his wife is introduced in the beginning of the chapter. It says that Abigail is intelligent and beautiful. Notice the order. It states first that she is intelligent and then that she is beautiful. We talked about that inside-outside beauty in 1 Peter 3, 3-4 through 4 with Sarah. It says, Your beauty should not come from outward adornments, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. Knowing right off the bat that Abigail's intelligence was prioritized before her beauty, we can start getting excited about learning from this woman of God. She's beauty and brains, like all of us are capable of being when we apply confidence and wisdom. Confidence because, as Genesis one twenty seven tells us, we are made in the image of God. As Psalms 139.14 tells us, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And as Ephesians 2.10 tells us, we are God's masterpiece. Wisdom, because the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. That's Proverbs 2.6. Proverbs 17.27 says, The one who has knowledge uses words with restraint, and whoever has understanding is even-tempered. James 3.17 tells us, The wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Okay, let's move on to 1 Samuel 25 verses 14 through 31. One of the servants told Abigail, Nabal's wife, David sent messengers from the wilderness to give our master his greetings, but he hurled insults at them. Yet these men were very good to us. They did not mistreat us, and the whole time we were out in the fields near them, nothing was missing. Night and day there were a wall around us the whole time we were herding our sheep near them. Now think it over and see what you can do, because disaster is hanging over our master and his whole household. He is such a wicked man that no one can talk to him. Abigail acted quickly. She took 200 loaves of bread, two skins of wine, five dressed sheeps, 60 pounds of roasted grain, 100 cakes of raisins, and 200 cakes of pressed figs, and loaded them on donkeys. Then she told her servants, go on ahead, I'll follow you. But she did not tell her husband Nabal. As she came riding her donkey into a mountain ravine, there was David and his men descending towards her, and she met them. David had just said, It's been useless, all my watching over this fellow's property in the wilderness so that nothing of his was missing. He has paid me back evil for good. May God deal with David, be it ever so severely, if by morning I leave one male of all who belong to him. When Abigail saw David, she quickly got off her donkey and bowed down before David with her face to the ground. She fell at his feet and said, Pardon your servant, my lord, and let me speak to you. Hear what your servant has to say. Please pay no attention, my lord, to that wicked man Nabal. He is just like his name. His name means fool, and folly goes with him. And as for me, your servant, I did not see the men my Lord sent. And now, my Lord, as surely as the Lord your God lives, and as you live, since the Lord has kept you from bloodshed and from avenging yourself with your own hands, may your enemies and all who are intent on harming my Lord be like Nabal. And let this gift which your servant has brought to my Lord be given to the men who follow you. Please forgive your servant's presumption. The Lord your God will certainly make a lasting dynasty for my Lord, because you fight the Lord's battles, and no wrongdoing will be found in you as long as you live. Even though someone is pursuing you to take your life, the life of my Lord will be bound securely in the bundle of the living by the Lord your God. But the lives of your enemies he will hurl away as from the pocket of a sling. 
When the Lord has fulfilled for my Lord every good thing he promised concerning him and has appointed him ruler over Israel, my Lord will not have on his conscience the staggering burden of needless bloodshed or of having avenged himself. And when the Lord your God has brought my Lord success, remember your servant. Don't you love her? Her servants clearly trusted her to handle the situation Nabal had caused. Abigail was willing to listen to them, quickly began to salvage the situation, wrote out herself to converse with David, used a humble approach with a cunning message, and as we will see in the next set of verses, stopped any bloodshed from taking place. Abigail was able to understand the importance of David's protection of her husband's property, even when her husband did not. She was quick to listen to her servants. James 1.19 says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. She chose not to speak with her husband about it first because she was slow to speak on the matter when she knew the conversation would be unfruitful. But we also do not see her stirred with emotions and angry over her husband's response. She calmly approached the situation that was brought to her, and she handles it with efficiency. She was also quick to take action. She didn't waste time in deliberation or in panicking over the situation. Abigail realized what the right thing to do was, and she approached it in a way to protect all of the people involved. Proverbs 3.27 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due, when it is in your power to act. Abigail was the type of woman, the type of Aetzer, that realized she had the power to act and to protect. She knew that she had the opportunity to do good for David and his men, but also for her servants and even her mean and thick-in-the-head husband. How do we handle high-stress situations? Are we quick to listen and slow to speak? Are we able to remain patient and gentle instead of being quick to anger and reckless? If yes, congratulations. I'm super impressed with you. But if you're like me, you probably said, honestly, sometimes it can be hard to rein in the human reactions of anger when we have a self-centered worldview. What I mean by that is, if we think about everyone from our own perspective, we're going to get frustrated. But if, for a minute, we put ourselves in other people's shoes and assume that there are pieces of their lives that are going on that we don't know about, we have the opportunity to become empathetic instead of frustrated. When approaching other people, try to see them like Jesus sees them. Not as people that don't meet your standards, but as image bearers of God. People who have inherent value, even when they themselves don't realize it. Approach all conversations and situations from a lens of love and understanding. At least try your best. And you'll find yourself praying for people who used to make you want to pull your hair out. Friends with people you used to not understand and more at peace with who you yourself are too. Are you like Abigail with your actions? How quickly do you jump to do the right thing? When it is in our power to act, we should act. It's a part of our sir. We have the power to serve and protect way more often than we realize. When you see that one person getting talked over in a group of people, do you take a second to listen to what they're saying so that they feel like their words have value? When you hear others gossiping about someone, do you stand up for that person or at least encourage the group to discuss something else? And I, even if you don't like the person, you don't have to like the person to stand up for them. Do you take the time to call and check in on the elderly family members of your life to make sure they never feel forgotten or alone? When you see someone hurting, do you step in with open arms, or do you cover your eyes and pass an opportunity to love them like Jesus? We aren't supposed to do the right things because we're good people. Because honestly, 
we aren't all that great. We are supposed to do the loving thing because we ourselves have experienced a love that is so unfairly overgenerous to us. So I'll say it again. When it is within your power to act, to love, act, love, be Eitzer. And don't forget, Abigail believed in God's power and his favor towards David. She knew that David fought the Lord's battles, and she knew that God would fulfill his promises to David. So she pleaded to David, but she knew that she was pleading to a man of God, a prophet whom God spoke directly to. She knew that she pleaded directly into God's own ears because David followed God's commands. Now let's go ahead and read David's response to Abigail in 1 Samuel 25, verses 32 through 35. David said to Abigail, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, who has sent you today to meet me. May you be blessed for your good judgment and for keeping me from bloodshed this day and from avenging myself with my own hands. Otherwise, as surely as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, who has kept me from harming you, if you had not come quickly to meet me, not one male belonging to Nabal would have been left alive by daybreak. Then David accepted from her hand what she had brought him and said, Go home in peace. I have heard your words and granted your request. David praised God and praised Abigail's good judgment. How she handled the confrontation kept the peace and kept David's conscious from the weight of more bloodshed. I feel like the go-to response of our world is a response of pettiness and an encouragement of drama. There's something about the human condition that makes us morbidly fascinated with a good fight. But Christians aren't called to encourage that. Quite the opposite, actually. Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called children of God. First, let's go ahead and talk about what a peacemaker is, because it's different from a peacekeeper. A peacekeeper will avoid conflict to keep the peace. It's passive. A peacemaker is willing to go into the conflict in order to resolve the problems and establish a real peace for others and themselves. It's proactive. Which one sounds more like you? A peacemaker can feel uncomfortable. Because confrontations and tensions are uncomfortable, but you get more out of it and you establish real peace, not fake peace, and you establish respect and love. Peacekeeping is only going to drag out your problem or make it worse. Abigail didn't sit back and avoid conflict. Had she done that, every male belonging to Nabal would have been slaughtered. Temporary peace for her would have led to ultimate destruction and heartbreak for the people around her. Abigail confidently went into the source of conflict so she could resolve the situation. That is a peacemaker. That is what we should be aiming for, being a peacemaker as a child of God. James 3.18 says, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Abigail sowed in peace. Let's keep reading to see if she reaps a harvest of righteousness. 1 Samuel 25 verses 36 through 38 reads, when Abigail went to Nabal, he was in the house holding a banquet like that of a king. He was in high spirits and very drunk, so she told him nothing at all until daybreak. Then in the morning when Nabal was sober, his wife told him all these things, and his heart failed him, and he became like stone. About ten days later, the Lord struck Nabal, and he died. Okay, quick turnaround on that one, right? Nabal, our resident thick-in-the-head husband, is now out of the picture. But before we even comment on that, how did Abigail handle this situation? A thing I love about Abigail is that she picked her battles wisely. 2 Timothy 2 verses 23 through 25 says this, Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments, because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. 
Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth. Abigail knew that telling Nabal about what had happened when he was drunk would have led to a foolish and stupid argument. She was kind, giving Nabal every opportunity to succeed. She might have hoped for God to grant him repentance, which would have led him to the knowledge of truth. Obviously, that wasn't the case here, as Nabal immediately froze up like stone and then died. But point is, Abigail still did her best to do the right thing. There was just a different plan for her life. This is definitely an application principle. To be God's servant, we aren't supposed to pick fights. Peacemakers do go into conflict, but not for the fight. They do it for the peace. We shouldn't enter into arguments that have no purpose or end goal. We're told to be kind, not resentful, and able to teach, which means coming towards a person with that lens of love, ready to build them up. Let's go ahead and finish the story with 1 Samuel 25, verses 39 through 42. When David heard that Nabal was dead, he said, Praise be to the Lord, who has upheld my cause against Nabal for treating me with contempt. He has kept his servant from doing wrong and has brought Nabal's wrongdoing down on his own head. Then David sent word to Abigail, asking her to become his wife. His servants went to Carmel and said to Abigail, David has sent us to you to take you to become his wife. She bowed down with her face to the ground and said, I am your servant and am ready to serve you and wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Abigail quickly got on a donkey and attended by her five female servants, went with David's messengers and became his wife. So we see that Abigail reaps a harvest of righteousness after all. What else though does she do in this passage that we can learn from? Well, to start, Abigail has been demonstrating humility this whole chapter. She's always quick to fall at the feet of David and to speak to him as a man of authority, which he is, a prophet anointed by God to be a future king. Matthew twenty three twelve says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Nabal exalted himself, and he, he was humbled, right? Abigail humbled herself, and she was exalted to be wife of David's, to be appreciated and spoken of by name in the Bible. We also should approach life with humility. 1 Peter 5 verses 6 through 7 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When we humble ourselves before God, he lifts us up. When we stop thinking we know what's best for our lives and trust in him and his plans, we can cast off anxiety. An aspect of humility as a Christian also involved having a servant's heart. Abigail clearly exemplifies this. She served her household. She served David and his men, and she served God. I love the end when she says, I am your servant and am ready to serve you and wash the feet of my Lord's servants. Washing feet was a servant's job. They got really dusty and gross back then. It wasn't a pleasant job. Abigail didn't know about this yet, but we do. There was someone else who would willingly act as a servant and offer to wash feet, and he did. Jesus. Jesus washed his disciples' feet. The God of the universe, in the form of a man, bent down and washed his disciples' dusty, crusty feet as though he had the status of a servant. In John thirteen fourteen, Jesus tells them after, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. He is telling the disciples that since he loves and serves them in a way they don't deserve, we should love and serve each other even when we think it's not deserved. Abigail didn't know this exact command because she didn't know of Jesus or his exact purposes, yet she knew the importance of a servant's heart. If she knew this without the love of Jesus we know about, how much more should we be encouraged to act it out? 
Abigail's life isn't perfectly happy ever after, as it isn't in this world. She goes on to experience a kidnapping with other women and children of David's camp, but unharmed, they are all recovered by David and his help from God. She goes on to give birth to a son named Daniel, and we don't know much else about her after that. I like to think about all the other times she likely made the peace in David's household. I like to think about all of the times maybe David trusted in her judgment. I like to think of ways that I can be more like Abigail. When it is in our power to act, we should act. When it is in our power to serve, we should serve. It is always, always in our power to love. So we should love as fully and selflessly as humanly possible. That's everything I have today for Abigail. Thank you so much for listening. Next time, we're going to be talking about Mary and Martha from the New Testament, and I hope to see you then. If you have any questions about today's episode, the Bible, or anything else, I'd be happy to answer as best as I can. If you haven't heard it today, God loves you. I love you. You are important. You have worth, and you have a purpose. I'm signing off. Bye. Bye.